So we are continuing this series, This is Church. We've been doing this a while now, and, uh, and it's been really good for us together to stop and just say, what are we about? What is this church about? What does it mean to be the church? And so we're coming close to the end. This is message 10. We've got a couple more here after Thanksgiving. Next week, Nick Redden's going to be preaching a great Thanksgiving message. I have no idea what it's about, but I told him it was Thanksgiving. So it had to be something thankful. So we'll, we'll see if he obeys instructions or not. Um, but today, uh, we've, we've made our way through this. So we started this series uh, three months ago, and we talked about Jesus is the head of the church. And we looked at a couple of the right marks of the church, and we started to look at biblical metaphors for the church. In those metaphors, we talked a lot about ownership, that being part of a local church means that you don't just rent the church take what you need and then throw it away, but you own the church. The local church is your church. It's Jesus's. He's the head, but we all have a stake and ownership in this. Last week, we started really, what, this is part two of a two-part sermon. Last week, we started this by talking about my job, our job. And I, I looked at the priesthood of all believers. We looked at this together that, in fact, while many times we put the idea of the priest on the pastor, Really, this is all of our jobs together. All of us together are priests in God's kingdom. He's given us the duties of a priest. So our job as priests is to do the works of ministry. We all together in this are ministers. Not just me, we all are. And I love that. Because frankly, pastoral ministry could potentially be very lonely. But it's not. Because I know we're in this together. We're all in ministry together. And so I, I ended last week talking about 1 Peter 2, 9. And this is where I want to launch this week. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And I'm going to throw it up there for you. He says, You're a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, You're a a holy nation, a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you. The best way to declare the praises is to center on the cross of Jesus. God's ultimate plan for the world and for the redemption of the world focuses on his people through the shed blood of Jesus. The gospel is more than just a conversion. It's more than just a conversion to a different religion. The gospel is more than just a a prayer prayed. The gospel is the message of hope, hope for the world through Jesus. And so you and I, the gospel message reminds us that you and I in our sin, we are doomed. We are doomed. We're separated from God without hope, but Jesus' death and resurrection provides us the hope of kingdom living, both now and in the future. And to put it another way that I, I like to say, eternity begins today. We don't get our salvation card and sign up to be a follower of Jesus and say, this will come in handy someday when I need it. Because you need it today. Eternity starts today. Kingdom living starts today. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus died for you and you could and did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He made you right with the Father. Jesus died for you. And used to do for you what you still can't do for yourself. He died so you could really live. The gospel is great news. God cares. He cared enough to give everything 
And so the gospel is worth declaring his praises. Those of us who believe in him, we're priests. And our job is to declare, declare his praises to the world. You know, God loves the world. And he wants the world to know just what a kind, benevolent, loving, almighty, just, involved, constant God that he is. Why would God do this? Why would he? Why would God give up everything for us? Why would Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, who has existed from eternity past in perfect community with the Trinity, why would Jesus give up everything to become one of us? For those of us who had rejected him, who despised him. God did this for his own purpose. Because he is. God is declaring and writing a story that brings him glory and is for our good. He's writing this story in our lives and this is why Jesus would do this. We have a mission, a purpose, to declare the praises of him who called us called us out of darkness into light. We have a mission. Our purpose is to live out the glory of God for the benefit of the world around you. Jesus put it another way. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said again, peace be with you. This is after he had risen from the dead and the disciples were just a little bit freaked out that Jesus was appearing to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me I am sending you. Did you know that just as Jesus was sent from the Father to die in our place, to rise from the dead with a purpose, so Jesus has sent you and I with a purpose. We're on a mission. We're all ministers. We're all sent ones. We're all the ones who declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And we do this by telling people about Jesus. When we speak the love of Jesus, we're priests, we're sent ones, we are living out a purpose. Now, I got to be honest, there are days when I just want to do my own thing. I really don't want to live on mission. I don't really want to live as a sent one. I don't want to really live as if I'm on somebody else's business. I want to live for days. There are days when I just want to live for me and my sin nature raises its ugly head and I say I want God's glory, but I really want Dave's glory. Can you relate to that? There are days, but there are other days when I want something more. There are days when what I want is to be about something that is greater than me. When there are days when I just long for God to be glorified in my life and I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of my life being about me. And I want His glory to shine through me. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? A longing for something more in your life than just you. You were made to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. You were made. You were designed for it. And it's why your heart yearns for something more than just you. You were sent on a mission. That's why you're here. Providing for your family is good. Serving the body of Christ is good. Living obediently is good. Loving the poor is good. But none of these are ends in and of themselves. 
Those are all ways you declare God's praises to the world around you. And there's no greater way to declare God's praises than with the human tongue. James reminds us that this tongue is a very powerful instrument. You can use it in different ways. One of the ways you can use this thing in your mouth is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. The best way to declare the praises of the world around you is to speak about Jesus to the world around you. Now, there's no way to talk about this word. There's no way to discuss this without using... Some of you, it's going to make you uncomfortable, even me saying it. The word evangelism. I know, like some of you are saying these chairs were already bad. Now they're worse, right? There's no way to talk about speaking the love of Jesus to a world that Jesus desperately loves without using the E word, without using the evangelism word. There's no way to talk about being sent or speaking the name without this word because it's what we're called to do. We're called to be sent. We're called on a mission. We're called to declare these praises. We're priests. We have a job because God loves the world. I will never forget the very first time I shared my faith with someone, with a stranger I didn't know. Some of you can relate to this. It would be like your worst nightmare. I was a young teenager. My youth group went downtown we uh, did a half day of evangelism training. And so we sat in this church downtown and this guy talked and he taught us all about different ways to share our faith. 11 a.m. hit, 11.30-ish. Uh, they sent us out. We went out and we were in this particular area downtown. It was a beautiful summer day and there was this outdoor plaza where there was vendors all around. And a lot of the business white collar people that were working downtown would come out and they'd grab a sandwich and they'd sit on the steps and there was a waterfall there and and it was just the perfect place of people sitting around doing nothing. And so we did cold turkey evangelism, where cold, you just walk up to someone and you have no relationship with them and you just tell them about Jesus. And so I'm looking around, you know, like this, you know, this little kid kind of shaking and going, I'm not up for this. And so I picked a guy and I just went, okay, Lord, that's the one. And I sat down, can I talk to you for a minute? No. <laughs> Yes, you can just see it in his face. He has to say yes, but he just wants to say no. We start talking, and I start, I'd gone through my, you know, printed or my pre-rehearsed whole speech about Jesus. And I, I, I listened to all the ways that I was supposed to get this guy to be convinced that he was a sinner and that he needed Jesus. And, and this guy was probably, he seemed really old. He was probably 30, right? But, <laughs> you know, he seemed really old to me. And, uh, and so I'm just shaking in my boots, and we're talking, and this guy just ate my lunch. I mean, he just took me to the cleaners. Uh, it was embarrassing. I could, he had all these questions about God and, and cre you know, how ludicrous the idea of an all-loving, uh, all-powerful God is, and just how philosophically stupid that is, and he just made me feel like an idiot. And I walked out of there just totally completely dejected, saying, I will never, ever share my faith with anyone ever again. And that's my experience. That was my very first experience. And while it was, per um, it was, <laughs> it was probably a really good experience for me. At the same time, it was a terrible experience. And when I talk about evangelism, that's the kind of experience that most of us think about. Most of us think about this horrible, terrible thing where we're running in like a salesman and, and, uh, you know, 
telling people a message that they don't want to hear in the first place. So, mon- so many of us would probably, even today, be talking about the word evangelism. You'd probably, you're probably so uncomfortable right now, you'd rather me preach about tithing than you would about evangelism, you know, and that's saying a lot. So every one of us, we have these experiences, we have these thoughts, we have these ideas about sharing our faith, and it's sort of like a door-to-door salesman. You know, a a door-to-door salesman is continually rejected. (laughs) We had one show up in our office on uh, Thursday, and Jeff and I popped our heads out of the office. We had him come in, and and it was very obvious right away he was a door-to-door salesman. And uh, he said, well, who do I need to talk to? And I said, you need to talk to Jeff. <laughs> I got a text from Jeff later. Thanks a lot. As this, I could hear him out there showing him this cleaner, you know, and going over this whole thing. And I said, Jeff, you know what we should do? We should post a sign that says, solicitors are welcome, but we will tell you about Jesus. And then none of them will ever come again, <laughs> you know. That's the sort of thing we have in mind when we think about evangelism. It's this salesman type of thing. But the work of the priest is not a drudgery, and it's not a sales tactic. The work of a priest is to declare the praises, so it's a delight. A salesman's an imposition. A priest is a delight. You speak for God's glory, not your own. You share a message. A salesman, ultimately, he or she is selling you something because while they may tell you that this product will change your life and I'm doing this for your good, the bottom line is it's about their pocketbook. But when we share the gospel, truly, this is the beauty of the gospel because we're giving away a free gift that truly is only for not our good, it's for the glory of God and the good of the person with whom we're sharing. As a priest, we get to share a message. And it's about God because God truly loves people. All right. So because today I wanted to frame this, this conversation about being the church, you know, we talk a lot about uh, these, the church is doing three things. We're connect, equip, send. We're building a community of followers of Christ. We're equipping each other to live out this faith. And we're sending each other back to the world. And so this is the sent piece. And I thought, rather than Dave just lecturing you all on proper evangelism techniques, way, we could do something way more fun than that. And so what we're going to do right now is pair up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what, <laughs> what I wanted to do is actually, uh, I wanted to bring a couple people up in our, from our body who recently had an opportunity to share their faith with people. And I just want to kind of interview them a little bit. So Jay Grimes and Patty Fellers both recently had an opportunity, and, and I talked them in to doing this, as crazy as they are, to uh, agree with me. But I wanted to kind of bring them up. Here, you can just take this one right here. Thanks. Let's scoot up just a little smidge. Awesome. And, uh, and I wanted to talk to them just a little bit about their opportunities recently to share the gospel, because I think we can glean a lot from Scripture and from each other about what it's like to actually share the gospel with someone. Because most of us probably have not talked about Jesus for a long time with someone who didn't believe. Or we've been so afraid or we've gotten so just cold to it. And so here I have a couple of people who recently just, God brought them an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And so, um, you know, I I, I guess I first wanted to say, you know, Pat, let's start with you, Patty. Uh, Patty had an opportunity to share faith with her father-in-law. Now, her father-in-law's name is Marvin, and 
Now, it's what's really fascinating to me is because I want to know how this came about. Because last time that I talked to Marvin was at Jack's funeral. And Marvin, I overheard Marvin saying basically to someone, I can't believe like Jack believed. I can't believe that Christian stuff like Jack believed. And so uh, that's the last kind of touch I had with Marvin. So tell me how this whole thing came about a little bit. Well, I try and get together with Marvin. Um, those of you may not realize that Marvin's wife passed away two weeks to the day before Jack did. Um, and so I really try and I'm real close to him. He's like my dad. So we go out. I try and take him either out or go visit him about once a week um, and then take the kids to see him. So we were out at lunch, and um, I just said to him, um, and I used his language because I really, I knew that my language wasn't going to reach him. So I said to him, well, you know where on religious things, you know where Jack and I stand, but how about you? And um, so I really, I really wanted to know. And, and that's what I told him was, I want to see you there. I want to see you again. And I want, he's 90, you know, death is, is reality and we're very aware of it. And I said, I want you to see Jack again. Yeah. And so just quickly, as you brought up the word religious things, trying to speak his language, uh, what was his, re what, like, what did you see in his face? Like, was it the, oh no, kind <laughs> of here it comes thing? Or what did you see in his face? Actually, I saw kind of a, a panicked look of, this is a really weird conversation to have in a restaurant as he looked around. <laughs> <laughs> right, like you don't talk about politics or religion, and all we really mean by that is you don't talk about religion. So, yeah, it's an awkward, uncomfortable thing. All right, so that you're sitting at a restaurant with your father-in-law. Jay, you had a different kind of uh, experience here in sharing your faith uh, and I, with your dry cleaner. So give us a little bit of the backstory and bring us up to speed about how you had an opportunity to share your faith. Yes, um, with this story with my dry cleaner, it goes back three years. Uh, to when he came in and started working at this dry cleaner business to take it over and purchase it. Um, I've just maintained a continual, basically weekly relationship or a couple times a week because I have to get shirts pressed all the time. So I'm in there talking with him and he's getting to know me, I'm getting to know him, building you know, just a, a face value relationship um, to the point where he got to where he knew that he could trust me and he would talk to me about stuff that you know, you wouldn't normally have people talk to you about. And it all came about by just spending an extra couple minutes. I mean, I didn't go into the dry cleaner intentionally trying to race through, like, okay, give me my clothes, let me get out the door. You know, go in and make sure that I spend a little bit of time each time that I went in there. And it took a long time, and I'd felt, gosh, it would be probably nine months ago, ten months ago, I kind of lose track of time, you know, where the Holy Spirit was just starting to prod me that you need to share with him, you need to share with him, you need to share with him. And I was being really lax on being obedient to that. Um, and it came along to, you know, I don't know how far you want me to go with this, but it came along to a point where um, he had had a pretty significant life event, um, a scare, medical scare, um, that he had shared with me, and, and we got to discussing, he was talking about praying, and he was talking about God, you know, real nice general terms, and that opened up the door, obviously, for me to step in and say, okay, you're praying to God, but who? 
Now, before you walked into the dry cleaner that day, you told me you gave God some conditions about whether you were going to share your faith with him or not. You have to understand, this dry cleaner is extremely busy, you know, especially in the early morning. There's tons and tons of people going through this place all the time. And I said, Lord, you know, if you really want me to share with him, um, you're going to have to keep people out of here. I mean, because I'm not going to get an opportunity if he's busy taking shirts down off the rack and people are coming in and out. And on three different occasions, when I said that when I went in, the first time, half an hour, nobody at the peak time. It was just me and him and the staff in the back, and they were busy working, but I just had that time with him alone up front. So what did you say? Like, you, you told God this, this is your condition, and you opened the door and there's no one in there. What was your thought? My thought is, okay, he's calling my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, um, all right, so there, you both are in a situation, you're sitting down, you've, you've, you've begun the conversation. Now, how do you start a conversation with someone, even to get to spiritual things? Because so many times we just, unless it's Oprah talk, we leave spiritual things out of our lives. So how do you broach a conversation uh, with someone about spiritual things? Maybe I'll let you start, Patty. Well, any of you who knew Jack, are, this is going to come as a great surprise, but Jack shared lots of books with his dad. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen Jack's library that's still in her basement, it's just in insane. A lot of books there. Yeah, we own thousands of books. Um, and so I knew that Marvin had read the gospel many times through these books that Jack had shared with him. But I just asked him, like I said, I, I used his language. I didn't ask him about where's your relationship with Christ, um, I just said, you know, where are you on religious things? Because I really wanted to know. I never knew where he, where he stood. I didn't. You know, I've been married in the family for 18 and a half years, now 19, and I don't know. So I had to listen. Yeah. So you just kind of dropped the bomb, right? Like that, you know, just sort of, I'm diving in, right? I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it or smooth it. I've been called a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> so you just jumped in. But you're, what you had said is you'd, the, the pump had been primed for some time before this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for years we had, um, I mean, Marvin knew where we stood. Yeah. I mean, we prayed before meals and, you know, whenever we'd come over there, they would always ask one of us to pray. And so absolutely, they knew where we stood. I think that's a real important point is that sometimes in sharing our faith with people, we need to let people see us live out our faith first. They need to just see your faith in action, how it works in your family, you know, how it works in your life. Jesus kind of just naturally flows out of us. And it's weird if it's just sort of bifurcated, like I've never talked about anything spiritual or had any God stuff in my life, and now I'm dropping this on you. And so you'd Oh, yeah, it would be to totally different if he didn't know that, you know, our whole lives are centered on Jesus. Yeah. Now, did Todd bring up this subject to you that day, or how did you get, I mean, you walk in the dry cleaners, God's obviously laid everything out for you to share the gospel. How did you start a spiritual conversation? Well, in this case, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit had been just, like, hitting on me, and I didn't know about what had been going on in his life until I walked in that day where I'm like, if you really want me to share with him, 
need to keep people out, and all of a sudden, boom, I, you know, get this bombshell from them when I walk in, and there's nobody in there. But, you know, I'd have to agree with Patty on that. It's, it's about relationship, and how do you start the conversation? And in this situation, it's very same. You know, even though Patty's dealing with a family member, I'm dealing with somebody who's absolutely not a family member, but you hear them, and you let them talk, and you ask them questions, you know, what do you believe? What do you think? Let them go ahead and, and show them the respect of hearing what they believe so you know where they're at. And I did that same thing with Todd, you know, when I get in there and start talking with him. Um, and he shared with me, and that, you know, earned me the right because I listened to him to share back. And uh, that's really where, you know, our conversation started. Listening is a concept that transcends culture. So, you know, Jay's been to Yemen with me, and we've been in a culture that's totally closed to the gospel, and yet in many ways is way more open than here. And uh, it's way easier to have a conversation, but if you just start talking and don't ever listen, people can spout a, spout a phony a mile away. And I think that that's part of what it takes to have a spiritual conversation with someone is just caring about them. You know, the New Testament talks about over and over that God loves the world. God cares. Jesus wouldn't have come and went through everything he went through if he didn't love the world. If the Father didn't love the world, Jesus would not have come. And so it's about connecting and really caring about people. And sometimes some of us kind of put up a, a, a care barrier, you know. Like we, say, we just say, I don't have time for that stuff. I've got my family or I've got enough of my own stuff going on. I don't have time to care for other people. Or if I care for them, they might actually dump on me and I'm not prepared for that. And so sometimes we put up a care barrier. But if we're going to share with someone, we have to love them and care about them and listen. I love that listen part. Um, I was thinking about this. I had an opportunity a couple weeks ago to, to uh, share. I haven't actually got to share the gospel yet with her, but there's a girl at Come and Go in my neighborhood and um, we're talking, and I just, every week, I ask her how she's doing. How are you doing? How are you doing? And we're, we're talking, and uh, one day, she just kind of unloads at me. She's got this brain mass in her head. She's like 23, and they don't know what it is. And, and at the same time, she was like, her mom and her dad are going through this divorce and this messy stuff. And, and, and she says, you know, we're in the middle of come and go. There's people all around us, and she's just dumping on me. And uh, because I'd taken the time to build a relationship. And so you know what I did? I just said to her, I said, you know what? I have a group of people I pray with a lot. Can we pray for you? Would that be okay? We just prayed for you. So I didn't even stop right there and like say, let's get down on our knees here and come and go. And I just said, can I pray with you? That's a way, I care. You know, it's about caring and opening up that door. So now evangelism is a scary thing for most of us. So how do you overcome this fear that we all have, this latent fear of, of, rede of rejection? Uh, you know, Patty, how did you overcome your fears in talking to Marvin? Well, there's a couple, couple answers to that. And one is that my fear of being rejected was less than my fear of never seeing Marvin in eternity um, because I love him. And then the second is, I'm living my greatest fear right now. And so fear of him thinking poorly of me is pretty minor. Yeah. So it's about prioritizing. Yeah. She told me she might cry through this, and I told her I'd just hug her through it. So that's how <laughs> this will work out. Um, but yeah, 
so there's this prioritizing saying the love of Christ compels me beyond my yeah. fear. Why do you think it's so hard to share with a relative? Because I've talked to a lot of people who said, I'd rather share with somebody in the mall that I don't know than with my father or my brother or my mother. Why, or, you know, wh why do you think that's so hard? You're required to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you want something more nope, than that? That's great. that <laughs> I think that's, it is, it's true. Sometimes sharing with people that are our family, it's really hard. Um, so... Jay, how did you overcome your fear? Just flat-out obedience. You know, I got to a point where, you know, the Spirit had just hit me enough times before this. Where, you know, going in that morning, I'm just like, look, if you want me to share, okay, I'll share, but I need some time. And bang, the time's there. I mean, I can't argue with it at that point. There's nothing I can do to argue with it. And I want to jump back just a little bit sure. to how I shared, you know, that day when we got in there. Because um, I forgot that in the last part. That's the next question. Oh, next question? Yeah. Okay. So, you... so, okay. All right. Just being obedient, you know, and, and looking at the time and taking the opportunity. You know, when you ask and pray for an opportunity and, and for the space and time to do it, and all of a sudden God provides it, you know, yeah. how do you argue with that? There's the obedience issue. Um, I think that for many of us, we have this, this sense that we'll be rejected. And there's a latent fear in being rejected for every one of us. You know, Jesus said, told us actually that the world would reject us. But really, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. That's important to remember. I think it's also important to remember, sometimes we feel like, uh, well, I, I'm, what if I share the gospel and I'm not good at it? And I screw this up for it. Well, it's important to remember that you don't save anyone. Jesus does the saving. That's his job. Our job is, from Luke, the passage Jerry read, is to be a witness. To, yes, leave the results to God. I've heard many people say that. That we share, and, and, and so we come over that. I, also, we remember that First Timothy, we're reminded that God's not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't. Power, love, and self-discipline are a sound mind. Those are what God has given us. And then I, one of the most encouraging thoughts to me in overcoming fear is the idea that God will give you the words. Um, I think that so many times we just go, I, no one's trained me. I haven't sat in the seminar. Pastor Dave's had all this seminary training. And, you know, uh, Jay's a lawyer. And, you know, he can talk about stuff all the time. He can just talk. And, you know, that's what lawyers sometimes do. Pastors too. You know, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, Patty's a mom, but Patty's got a personality, you know, that's just like, this woman's not afraid to talk. I was a little fearful about giving both of them microphones today. But, uh, you know, and we say, I'm not like that. But I love this verse from Matthew 10. Jesus said, when they arrest you, and you can't get any more fearful than that, right? When they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. When we're in obedience and we're in tune with the love of God, we have a power from the Holy Spirit of God. And he puts words in our heads. And I don't know how many times I've had that happen with people. Just God puts a thought in my head and, whoa, where did that come from? 
That's it, when we live in love and obedience. That's part of that. So, all right, Jay. So, how did you share the gospel? Like, what did you say? You see, you go in there with Todd, and you know, okay, the dry cleaners is empty. Yeah, uh, you you know, start this conversation with them. What did you say? How did you share the gospel? Well, for me, I didn't directly start the conversation. I mean, he came in and, and told me about this huge scare that he'd had, and he's talking about, you know, just in general, God and prayer, which opened up the door for me to come right back and say, all right, you're praying, but do you know who you're praying to? And, you know, it's, it's one of those looks that, okay, hmm, <laughs> you know, I've never really considered that. And it let me go ahead and share about Jesus, you know, say, look, when you're praying, the reason that I pray is because I have faith in Jesus, and I know that Jesus died for me the penalty for my sins so that I can be restored in my relationship to God so that I have an openness and a direct channel to God to be able to pray to him and started the conversation that way and it got Todd to start asking and I found out real quick I mean he knew about Jesus I mean it's hard for anybody in our culture not to hear about Jesus in one way or another either good or bad and then just to go ahead and start talking with him what I realized real quick that you know he has fears of commitment. And he has this information. He's heard, you know, bits and pieces along the line. And I was able to take that, and I don't know why I went with this, but, you know, it goes back to the Holy Spirit's leading with him that it worked really, really well. And I made the analogy that, you know, faith in Jesus is like having a red plane. All right? You can have a red plane, and somebody comes and offers you a gift. They put that red plane in a box, they wrap it up, they hand it to you. Now, you know exactly what's in that box. You know the red plane's in that box. You know all about that box. You know all about that red plane because you can go look at it and, and see it here and there. But if you take that box and you set it up on the shelf and you never open the box and you never take the plane out and you never play with the plane, you never really make the plane yours, have you accepted that gift? And I let it sit there and think, and he, and he was chewing on it. I mean, he, he gets it. And, you know, we went through, and I had, you know, just basically shared out the basics, you know, the gospel, and equated him to this red plane in a box that, Todd, okay, you've taken that red plane in the box, and you've put it on the shelf. And he agreed. You know, I haven't opened it up. I haven't taken out the plane. I'm not, you know, I don't have that faith, and I'm scared of having that faith. And then I was able to go ahead and leave it at that that day. There's no point in pushing any further. You know, we'd had plenty of time to go through, and I was able to go ahead and share the gospel, make that analogy, and let it set, and then I'll come back to, unless you want me to go finish nope, up a nope, little bit. that's great. Now, Patty, you used a little different method. You used a knife, and so... Uh, I did. <laughs> I did. I'm in a restaurant. I use what's at hand. Right, in a way. Not a, like, believer else, but... Uh, no. What did you use to share with Marvin about the good news of Jesus? Well, I used both hands, so we'll kind of do this like this, but I said, I just shared with him that he, he asked me something about, well, how could, how could Jesus do that? He was just a man. And I said, well, well, I shared, okay, I guess I just jumped ahead of myself that we've all done things that, and I tried really hard not to use religious language. So I didn't say sin. I said, you know, we've all done things wrong. We've all done things that we're not proud of and, and things that have hurt other people. And so we're here and God's over here and and God's perfect and 
and there's like this huge gap in between us and we can't get there. And Jesus and I took, here's the knife. I took the knife and put it across the top of my hands and I said, and, and Jesus bridged that gap for us. And, and he died and he said, well, but Jesus was a man. How could he do that? And I said, well, Jesus was a man, but he was also God at the same time. He was fully man and fully God. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's powerful imagery. That illustration is what's commonly referred to as the bridge illustration. Um, I went out and uh, found some apps on my iPad, and this one's called the, the Share Your Faith app here. And, uh, and, and this is an, a tool that you can use if you want to share your faith with someone. Patty did this with uh, a non-technical knife, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, version 1.0. This is clearly version 5.0. But... Uh, you know, and, and it's just a simple way. Let me just, I'll run you through it real quick. Uh, this is the How to Share Your Faith app. And you talk, there's us and God. And, and originally, we were created to be in relationship and harmony with God. But if you go to the next one, you see that sin is what separates us from God. And, and I like how Patty didn't use religious words, but Patty used the words of we've all done things that are wrong. Because everyone inherently knows that they're not perfect. I think sometimes what people have a hard time seeing is that they've been separated from God. And so you, you look at this, and there's this chasm, and, you know, we all fall short of God. And, and I think I like this picture here because a lot of people try to bridge this gap. They think, if I'll just be good enough, or I'll just do enough nice things. But what nice thing can get you to perfection, to holiness? There isn't. And we have a huge problem. And that's where Patty brought the knife in to talk about this next slide, this, this, uh, this cross, the cross that comes in. And the cross of Jesus is what brings us into a restored relationship with God. And it's through faith in Jesus then that we sort of walk over the bridge. That's a two-minute version of walking through this. Some people have frustrations with that. Like, it's very formulaic. The Bible doesn't talk about things in formula. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes that, that little model leaves out this whole idea of, being a disciple or a follower of Jesus, and there's shortcomings, but my thing is any tool that you have to talk about Jesus with someone is a good one because it's not you doing the work, it's God doing the work in their hearts. Um, another tool that's out there that I think is good is this one called Two Ways to Live. It's an app as well, and, uh, and I like this because they're simpler pictures, and, you know, and I, I'm a pretty simple person, but you know, th here's this idea of a crown, and, and this comes at it from a perspective of authority. You know, God is the loving ruler of the world. God made the world, and he made us rulers of the world underneath him. But we all rejected that. We said, I'm going to do it my way, God, and, and not your way. And we've tried to live our life without God. And everyone's been there, but God won't let us rebel forever. And I think if you look, I love this piece, because if you look at the Bible, this is the truth about God from Genesis all the way through Revelation is that God is patient and long-suffering, but he doesn't, there's, a, there's an extent of that. He always is just and right. And there comes a point where there is punishment, and that punishment is death, both physical and spiritual. And so that's part of God's judgment for our rebellion. The next picture here is, uh, is what Jesus did for us. Uh, God sent Jesus because he didn't want us to live in that state. And Jesus was about restoration 
And by dying in our place, he took our punishment and brought our forgiveness. And then you see this next picture. God, I mean, it just walks you through the whole thing. When Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, he gives us new life. And so now what I kind of like about this app is this next picture here. There are two ways that we can live. We can live and put ourselves as the authority of our own lives. We can reject God and say, God, um, I'm going to do this myself, and I'll call you if I need you. And how many people have lived their life that way? I'll call you when I need you. Thanks for being in the back pocket. Or there's another way to live, where we submit to Jesus with our whole life. We trust him, and we believe in the forgiveness that he gives, and then we place ourselves under him. God's new way. Those are just two tools. Uh, How to share your faith. Two ways to live. There, you can find them on the app store. You know, if that helps you, sometimes people feel like that's way too much of a sales pitch if you whip out your phone and go through it. There's other ways. There's these just conversational ways. Uh, there's a way of just talking about the story of the Bible where you begin to talk about Adam and Eve and what they did and how they were created and how, and you begin to talk about sin and you can just walk through the story of the Bible and how Jesus came and Jesus is, has inaugurated a new kingdom. I mean, you can talk about the gospel in this way. Through his death and resurrection, he inaugurated the new kingdom, and so he restores us to the Father. I don't really care what method you use. These are tools. Use them if they help you. If you don't know how, grab them. But the bottom line is that we should share. We should speak. We should cultivate opportunities. So, you know, I kind of already asked you guys why you shared the gospel. Patty was just, you were talking about how your fear of Marvin not spending an eternity with Jesus, being apart from him, how your just deep love for him as your father, your father-in-law, yeah. but your father right. compelled you. Yep. Jay, I mean, other than just pure obedience, was there something about Todd like that compelled you to share with Todd? The same compelling feeling that I have for anybody that I know that doesn't know Jesus. I mean, just in general, we're called to go share with the world. I mean, I look at Todd and I'm going, all right, you need to get this. You need to understand this. This is really important. I mean, this time, you know, was a scare. What if it wasn't? You know, what if you were looking at the very end right now and I didn't share with him or something came back and what he thought was a scare actually wasn't a scare and I never did it. Um, you know, I would have a hard time dealing with that myself. And, you know, the flip side of that is just the pure joy of getting to see what God's doing, which leads me to the really cool part of this. I mean, there's a couple of really cool parts to what God did here. Number one, he kept everybody out. I went back a second time. He did it again. But the second time that I went in and I talked with Todd, he said, Matt, you're not going to believe this, but I've got to tell you this, that you came in that morning and you shared with me. And not a couple hours later, another guy I've known for about as long as you came in and did the exact same thing. And he said, I can't ignore that, you know, and it's really chewing on him. I mean, I'm sitting there going, wow, you know, God's all over this. It's not me. And it's just this really neat thing. And, and the joy of being able to be part of what God is doing there um, really makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, and that's a great example. John 6.64 tells us that 
when a person comes to faith in Jesus, God's spirit is drawing them. It's this really powerful imagery that Jesus gives. And you could just see that happening. Patty, how did you see that in Marvin? How did you see God's spirit working in Marvin as you're talking? How did you see that? Well, mine wasn't quite as, I mean, I had a few questions, bumps in the road, so to speak. Marvin said to me, um, well, what about all the other people? What about the Buddhists and the Hindus and, you know, all the people who haven't heard? And I kind of stopped because I don't have an answer. I don't know. But, and that's what I said. I don't know. But I am not God. I can tell you that God is good. And that he will, that is between him and, and those people. But we're right here, right now. And then he said, well, I just have a really hard time getting past the intellectual part of it. And I looked at him kind of incredulously. I said, uh, Jack was an intellectual. And he went, oh, yeah, Jack was the most brilliant person I knew. And those were his words. He was the most brilliant person I knew, too. But... <laughs> Um, so, sorry, I can't remember your question. Yeah, no, but, okay. <laughs> that's all right. You know. I, told, I warned him about my memory that he was going to have to prompt me on something. No, I was just asking you about how God, you sense God's spirit working, and I think oh. you're answering it because you're talking about how he's bringing up these objections to the faith that you're not prepared to answer, yeah. and yet God's spirit was sort of giving you words and, and, and helping you and Marvin are walking through the same awful stuff, you know? Absolutely. Together. Yeah, and, and just the fact that I, I can't explain why, but I wasn't nervous. I just, I just knew that I loved Marvin and that, and that there was this absolute need to talk to him about this. I needed to know. Yeah, absolutely. So you might be sitting here today... Um, thinking, all right, I've got somebody in my head that I think God wants me to begin to intentionally <laughs> broach the subject of Jesus with them. We haven't have an attorney up here, and, and I'm just curious, Jay, if someone, let's say this person is at their work. In our culture, can you share your faith with someone at work, or will you just get fired outright for it? Puts me in an impossible position up here this morning. Makes me want to act like a lawyer and go, okay, what I'm about to say, don't hold me to it, all right? So, <laughs> the, the, the fine print will be up on the screen. <laughs> what I would say when you're looking at the workplace, each of you know your own workplace. Um, there is absolutely no law prohibiting you sharing your faith at work. But what I would say is that really, you know, as Patty and I have been sharing this morning, you know, it's about relationship. And if you're in the workplace, it should come up organically out of conversations that you're having with somebody in relationship. And I would not recommend going in, you know, with a bullhorn and tracks and running around to all the desks and, you know, leaving them. That might cause, you know, some issues. But if you're in a situation and, and somebody asks you or you've got an opportunity to go ahead and talk with them and ask them. I mean, people always want to say, oh, I'm praying for you. There's an open door right there. You know, it's just a matter, I mean, I miss these things all the time, and I'm learning and learning and learning as I, I go along to not miss those opportunities. But if you're looking for an opportunity when somebody starts talking about something like that, hey, you know, what for? Hey, can I pray with you? Hey, 
what do you believe? You know, when you're praying, what do you believe? And that opens up doors and it keeps it, you know, on a relationship level and organic level. And it's not going in heavy-handed or anything that's really probably going to be offensive to anybody that will get you in trouble. Now, I say that. You all know your own workplaces. This is not legal advice. It is worth what it is costing you this morning. <laughs> it's worth Yes. I'd like uh, our ushers, they're going to pass out a card to you right now. And actually, I want everyone to take two cards as we kind of wrap up this thing because uh, I'd like for you to take seriously the challenge of, of uh, praying for opportunities to share your faith. And as they're passing them out, what I want you guys to do is tell us how the story ends. Because uh, I made him hold the end of the story to the end here. And so, Patty, how, tell us what Marvin said. How did he respond to all of this? Well, just as I use my own language with Marvin, Marvin used his own language back at me. He said, I think I'll throw my hat in with the Christians. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah. And I've given him a Bible since then. And... And most every time that I come over now, he talks about it, and he was really excited to receive it. And he even shared it with his daughter, look, you know, Patty gave me this Bible. Yeah, and you were talking to me how he was reading it when you walked he, he out. He was. I, the, when I first gave it to him, I left, and then I remembered something else I wanted to ask him, so I came right back in, and he was already reading it. It's mm, awesome. How did it end with Todd? Mine is a little bit longer, I mean, because Patty's was over lunch, and, you know, I'd, I made the analogy with the plane in the box, and I was in there the second time, and there was a third time, and this was actually over a period of months, and about every two weeks, you know, I didn't want to push it all the time, but I'd go back in and say, you know, when the place is full of people, because the analogy I use, i go, so, are you ready to go ahead and take the plane out and play with it? And he'd know exactly what I was talking about. He knew exactly, and I was able to keep coming back in a way. And went along, and we went to Mauritania, and I came back, and the first time that I went back in after I got back from Mauritania, I'm like, so, you know, are you ready to go ahead and take the plane out and play with it? He's like, I took it out while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so, uh, then, did either of you guys just at that moment ask the person to get down on their knees and pray with them right there? <laughs> Dave asked me this question before, and I just laughed. I said, no, because we would have had to call the EMTs to get him back up off of his <laughs> knees. Um, no, I did not pray with Marvin. I didn't, I didn't push it. I didn't, um, because that's the Holy Spirit's job at that point. My job was done. My job was to share the gospel and make it very clear and in his language. And, and he knows, and now it is in between him and God. You know, and I always tell people, we, we've come up with this evangelical language that we talk about, and you have to pray this prayer, and that's sort of the stamp that now you're in the club. Uh, it's not in the Bible anywhere. You know, you look at Scripture, and people, when they place their faith in Jesus, actually the seal is baptism. And so uh, we don't necessarily have to, like, I mean, it's not a bad thing to pray with them. It's, it can be a great thing, but mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't have to. Let God, let the situation dictate that, not our preconceived notions of how to do this. So, all right, so um, you got, you're holding these cards right here now. And what I would love to do is pray for opportunities. You know, G Jesus told his disciples to pray for workers. That's what he said, to pray for workers, pray for opportunities. And what I would be in, in, so encouraged if you would do 
is if you would take this card and you'd put the fir just first name only of somebody you're praying for an opportunity to share with. Just maybe one person just kind of came to mind right now. Because I'd like to, to uh, collect these so that we can pray for them too. That God would give you an opportunity. And maybe like in, in Jay's case, somebody else comes along in Todd's case and shares too. But an opportunity to share. And so um, if you could find a pen around you or someone, someone who you know doesn't know Jesus, uh, put their name on there and in about... Uh, 30 seconds, I'm going to send our ushers back down to sort of just collect these. You have two cards because one of them's for you. There's some instructions on the back about how we pray for the lost. And, uh, and so I would encourage you to look at those. But uh, take a, a moment here um, and fill that out. And, uh, and I want to tell you a story as we close. When I was in high school, shortly after that terrible experience I had downtown sharing with that guy, uh, I sort of got into my mind that the Lord was challenging me to share with a number of friends. And so I picked about 10 people, uh, and, and I began to share my faith. And th that was probably my junior year of high school. Over that year, I shared with about 10 people. And uh, no one got on their knees and prayed the sinner's prayer with me. There was no conversions. No one started coming to my church. There was just very, I was just like, okay, God, well, I did it. And see, I'm terrible at this. Um, walked away from that. But I picked people that I really loved and cared about. Uh, graduate from high school, lose touch with a lot of them, and then this Facebook thing starts coming up. And so all my old uh, high school friends, if you want to call <laughs> acquaintances, <laughs> sometimes you get on Facebook, you're like, who are you? You went to high school with me? I don't remember that. But I started getting all these, you know, invites. And, and I, I came up with a friend named John and uh, he invited me to be his friend on Facebook. And so about a day later, after I accepted his friendship request, he just sends me a simple note. And he said, Dave, thanks for sharing the gospel with me when we were in high school. That was one piece of God's story about me coming to saving faith in Jesus. One piece. It's like, ah. Oh. Oftentimes we never get those little glimpses, you know? Those little glimpses of how God used us because... Um, but to be the one piece. But the, for me, that was just a treasure. That is my prayer for Waukee Community Church. We're not keeping score. <laughs> We're not going to have a contest to see who can share the gospel the most. We're not going to put a thermometer out there and see how many conversions we get. We're loving people. And as we love people, we see God's kingdom breaking through into this world. And as we love people, we get opportunities in this kingdom to bring more people into this kingdom because we're changing the world through Jesus. And so my challenge for you today is to live out your faith and speak for Jesus. Um, let me pray, and then Ryan's going to come up and close us with a couple of announcements. Jesus, thank you that we're priests, and we have the mission of declaring your glory to the world around us. Give us the boldness and the courage. Give us the sensitivity to love and listen. Give us the heart for the world that you have. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.